Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. Focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally Yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and today I'm chatting to Catherine Cho. She's an author and literary agent. We're going to be chatting about postpartum psychosis. I was pregnant with my first baby, a son, in 2017. Um, I had a pretty straightforward pregnancy and, you know, I guess a slightly complicated labor, but nothing too crazy. Um, And then we went traveling uh, when my son was a couple months old to the U.S. Uh, We went on this very long uh, journey, about five different cities, and at, during this time, I wasn't sleeping. Uh, my par- my parents and my in-laws are Korean. And um, there's a lot of beliefs about how you should behave with a baby and, you know, be safe. And they thought we were being very um, risky in the way that we were traveling with our son. And so when my son was three months old, um, I looked at his face and his face looked like the eyes of a devil to me. Um, and that's basically the start of the psychosis. Um, I thought I was a character in Dante's Inferno, um, and I ended up being sectioned um, in a psych unit in New Jersey. Um, and I spent about two weeks uh, and separated from And have you experienced any mental health issues before that time? No, I mean, that's, I think, why it was such a shock. I was, you know, I'd never experienced any mental health um, issues before then. And so... It wasn't, I wasn't considered, you know, a particularly high risk. And when you mentioned um, that you were sectioned, um, what do you remember about that time? Because obviously you've written about it. 
Yes, it's a very fragmented and frightening time. Um, I lost, I mean, all sense of kind of time and reality. And I just remember um, I was so convinced that we were in hell and that um, I was experiencing every moment kind of in duplicate moments. Um, I was seeing like devils and people's faces didn't look like their faces. And, um, you know, it started, my husband took me to the emergency room Um, and I spent four days there and I wasn't, I wasn't sleeping. And that, that period of time to me, you know, if somebody told me that was years, I wouldn't be surprised. It it really felt so prolonged and long. Um, and when I wasn't getting better, uh, that's when it was decided that I would have to be moved to the psych unit and the actual transfer, you know, I thought I was being euthanized. And I remember seeing just like animals surrounding me and, yeah, I had my kind of most complete mental break at that point. And apparently that's when I was being kind of restrained and um, I was eventually sedated. But I, yeah, I fought for my life because I thought I was being It all being sounds euthanized. incredibly scary. Yeah, it, it, it was very, you know, it was a very terrifying experience. I think it was my first um, look into what it might mean to not be able to trust your senses and, um it was a very frightening out-of-body experience. For how sure. long were you actually in um, the psych ward before you sort of started to recover? So I I think they said it was a couple of days. Um, I was given an antipsychotic called haloperidol and I was sedated. So I slept for a long period of time. And I think when I came um, to consciousness and... I I knew something was really wrong and I kind of had a sense of these like very fragmented memories. So it took a a few days. And then when I was awake in the psych ward and knew what was kind of happening, that's when it was very surreal for me because I felt very much like an observer uh, experiencing this place and just trying to figure out what had happened to me and also how Mm. I could leave. And how did you work towards getting better from having that sort of break with reality to to where you are now I suppose so it definitely medication yes there was a lot of medication I mean I have to say that you know the psych unit wasn't particularly therapeutic it's not really a place I think you know that is conducive to getting better but um I, yeah, I I spent a lot of time writing. I had a notebook with me and I tried to write down all the things that I knew was true and and then the things that I knew that weren't true. So that helped me separate what had actually happened and didn't happen. Um, And then by the time I was released, um, that was 10 days later, we flew back to the UK. Um, I was uh, referred to a perinatal mental health team. And um, that was, you know, really helpful because... I I also eventually, because of everything that happened, I had a very deep depression. And um, yeah, it was just a continual, it was a recovery process, as I think a lot of these things are. And I, you know, spent a lot of time just kind of trying to understand and also accept what had happened and also not feel, I guess, scared of Mm. what happened as well. Um, What was your husband's um, response to what happened? Yes. And for him, I think it was really, really terrifying. Um, you know, for him, he, you, first of all, he didn't know what was happening to me and 
he could tell that something was wrong, but also didn't know the extent of it. And I think there's something, you know, really horrifying and terrifying of watching somebody you care about just, you know, lose their sense of reality. Um, you know, he he dropped everything for me and, you know, I really credit him with just doing everything he could to try to make sure that I was safe, but also that I could get better. And um, he was very creative. He was continually lobbying for me and talking with doctors and you know, arguing, not arguing, that's not the right word, lobbying for my care and making sure that I was on the right medications. And he, he did his best to make sure that um, I had as, you know, a quick of a recovery mm. as possible. And since then, have you been able to find other people who've been through similar and has that been helpful? Definitely. So when I was starting to recover, um, I, I, you know, I knew the name of the diagnosis was postpartum psychosis. Um, there is a forum and a charity called Action on Postpartum Psychosis, uh, which is based in the UK and it brings together women who've, you know, suffered from uh, postpartum psychosis. And I spent a lot of time reading those forums. I think that was really helpful for me just to know like that this, you know, is a common, not a common, sorry, a shared experience for, for people. Um, it really helped me understand kind of that journey to recovery. Um, and it, it is a process. It took, I think, a full year for me to feel kind of back to myself and um, to be off medication. And yeah, and also in the process of writing the book and getting the book published, I spoke to a lot of different women um, who had experienced this, uh, one of whom was also Laura Dockrell, who wrote a memoir um, called What Have I Done, which was actually coincidentally published around the mm. same time as... as We've Robert. had her on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and her husband. yeah they're, they're both brilliant. Um, just before we get on to sort of the book a bit more and also the charity, um, do you mind telling us a bit about sort of what it was like... Um, I suppose the process of of being with your son again because that must have been quite difficult to have had sort of that delusion and then go to a yes, psych ward and then come back to him can you tell us a bit about the process of of I guess bonding again with him after that sure um yes yeah, so I was separated from my son and when I came back um and he was my parents brought him uh with them and you know, I, I really struggled to even touch him or hold him. And, you know, now that I look back on it, I think that is probably a protection mechanism. You know, I wasn't a mother who could be trusted. So perhaps that's why that was such a physical, um, visceral reaction for me. But yes, I had trouble, you know, even holding him. I, I really couldn't do it for more than a few moments. And that was a, you know, a big part of the recovery, which, was just to learn how to take care of him again, but also how to, you know, somehow overcome that, you know, severance that happened, the bond that was, you know, he, we didn't really have a bond when I came back out. And that was a very difficult thing as well to kind of admit to myself and also just to accept. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot, a large part of the recovery was trying to, to spend more time with him, trying to um, you know, do the things like follow the steps that I felt like a mother would do. And it took a really long time. Like, I, I can't lie about that. It really was a struggle. And, 
it's something that I put a lot of effort into that was very deliberate. And like, I hope that when he's older, I can kind of explain that, you know, hopefully that's evidence of, you know, love, which is, you know, putting in so much effort to try to build a bond again. But yeah, it, it mm. definitely was a journey. But it's difficult. I mean, obviously, you know, it's never anyone's fault when they get ill, but I can imagine it. You must have felt sort of guilt around it. And yeah, it's just such a difficult sort of situation. Definitely. I mean, I think you feel guilt about so many things anyway. <laughs> so feeling, yeah, guilt about, yeah, that it was a lot to kind of process mm. and come to terms with. Um, do you have other children now or are you thinking about having other children? Do you mind me asking? Oh, no, that be fine. Yes, actually, so I do. Um, I have a daughter. Uh, she's two. Um, I. It was a really big decision. You know, I always had hoped that, you know, if we could have more than one child that we could. Um, but yeah, it became a bit more of a complicated decision because um, the chances of recurrence in postpartum psychosis is 50%, which is, you know, very high. Um, and funny enough, I found out I was pregnant when I was promoting uh, my book. And so people were kind of asking, like, would you ever consider <laughs> having another child? And it was too early at that point for me to say, actually, I mean, I, I am hopefully. But um, yes, so and I was really lucky, you know, we I was referred back to the mental health team. Um, I had spent so much time, I think, thinking about and processing what had happened that I felt very confident um, as much as I could cautiously confident that I had recognized kind of all the triggers and the potential reasons for why I had psychosis. And so, yes, I, I was really lucky that um, I didn't have any complications uh, when I, my daughter was born. Um, I didn't have to go on any medication, which is usually, you know, a preventative thing. Um, but that was something I, you know, I talked about with my doctor as well. And um, yeah, I felt you know, really lucky to be able to avoid anything like mm. that this time around. Well, congratulations on on having a, another kid. And yeah, I totally understand the fear around that. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but um, with my bipolar disorder, it's sort of childbirth and stuff is a huge question. It's not something that I particularly want because I know that I personally have never wanted kids. But if I was, say, a friend of mine does very much want kids, if I was the kind of person who would, that's always something I'd wanted it would be a huge consideration because I'd know I'd have to be thinking about sort of coming off the drug that I'm on and yeah, wondering about whether I might go through postpartum psychosis or if it might trigger mania or all this sort of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, that must've been a really big decision for you to, to have a second child. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so glad it, it worked out all right. Um, Oh, thank oh, you. Um, yeah, it's sort of heavy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> We're sort of getting into it in the morning. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit more? Because um, I'd love to hear a bit more about sort of other things that have helped. You mentioned sort of right off the bat, you know, the drugs that helped. Did you find um, that therapy helped at all or like peer support stuff? Or is there anything else in particular, um, whether it's sort of meditation or exercise or literally anything that kind of has been helpful on your recovery journey? Yes, I mean, I think, you know, yes, definitely I had therapy, uh, which was really, you know, um, very, I think, helpful in kind of the later stages of understanding 
why something happened the way it happened and also just kind of examining um yes yeah, like what what parts of the psychosis that had felt so kind of out of the blue but actually when you trace it back you realize that a lot of these you know a lot of the things that led to it had been you know on you know undercurrents through childhood or even through you know previous family um traumas um so that was incredibly helpful i mean i will also say like i you know writing in general not the writing of the book perhaps but i kept journals throughout and that i found really helpful to kind of because so much of the the recovery process was so like even within one day it was such an up and down um but to be able to kind of have a sense of being in touch with what i was feeling um i was really lucky that i had friends who would check in with me and i think definitely knowing or feeling that you're not alone that you know there are people who care about you and that it's you know even if it's a very very low point that it's temporary i think for me like the depression was definitely the hardest part and i think i had to really just take it moment by moment and believe uh that it was not um that it wasn't always going to be that way and for me like when i see people who go through uh difficult uh challenges that's really kind of the most you know sad and tragic part of it sometimes is that it does feel like it's never ending and um yeah i think that for mm. me was very important and that leads us on sort of to action on postpartum psychosis you've already kind of mentioned them but why did you want to become an ambassador for the charity yes i mean you know i think what i think i really value about what they do is the conversation the fact that you know it is very much about like having the conversation with people about talking about these experiences i you know i'm i'm surprised that you know so much about postpartum psychosis after i experienced it is shrouded in a, a lot of guilt uh, a lot of shame there's a lot of secrecy uh people um i think because it is a very terrifying <laughs> um disorder and you know often you know when it's talked about in the media or when it's talked about on the news it's very sensationalized um and it it's horrifying and i think it also breaks kind of that ultimate taboo of a of a mother who might harm or you know is not a safe presence around their children um and i think action on postpartum psychosis does a lot to kind of dispel that um you know there's no you know it, it's not something to be afraid of it's not something to suffer in silence you know and i think um there is already so much guilt around motherhood anyway but especially for mothers who experience something like that and i think you know for me what's really important is to show that you know even if it's not the extent of psychosis so many of the things that you know women struggle with after giving birth um is very shared and there doesn't have to be any shame mm, or stigma absolutely around. And can you tell us a bit more about what exactly the charity does? Yes, so you know they they have research um that they do in order to kind of help find ways to support. They do a lot of education. Um there are resources uh for carers, for partners. Um I think actually the reason we found out about action on postpartum psychosis was my husband was trying to google how to care for me. and they he found that pamphlet that they'd done uh for partners and carers on how to support somebody who'd gone through 
um, postpartum psychosis. Um, they they have the forum as well, but also, you know, they do a lot in terms of uh, lobbying for mother and baby units all around the UK, and also just you know communicating with uh, government uh, officials as well about the need for mother baby units and you know the need for perinatal mental health support and education. Can you tell us a bit more about the book now? Um, so it's Inferno, a memoir of motherhood and madness. What challenges did you face when you were writing that? Yes, yeah, so I started writing the book um, actually very during my recovery, um, very soon after the events of what had happened. Um, and it started, I wanted to write an article about it just because I'd never heard of postpartum psychosis. But then very quickly, I realized that in order to understand a mental breakdown, you, you have to know what has been broken. Um, and so, yes, I actually, um, and it, it might be because I was on so many medications, but I was very, very focused on the book. And I wrote the first draft only in a couple of months. Um, and of course, I had to redraft quite a bit afterwards. But the initial writing of it, it, it really just flowed. And I felt kind of a compulsion to share yeah, to share the experience and hopefully to give an understanding of what it might feel like to have your sense of reality blown apart and your sense of self blown apart. And then how do you begin to construct yourself and, and what, what does that actually mean? What kind of response have you had to it? Because it's been out a, a little while now, hasn't it? Yes, it came out um, in March of 2020, actually. Um, but yes, it, it, it's been a really positive response. Um, I've had, you know you know, that's been kind of the most moving part about it is that, you know, so many people have reached out to say that they'd experienced, you know, some of the, like the emotions. Um, uh, and, you know, I think that's the other thing is like the loneliness of mental health. Um, it can be very reassuring to, to see that other people experience, you know, the same kind of things. And I think that's, you know, my hope with the book was that to show kind of how universal a lot of these feelings are. Um, but yeah, and I think one thing that I found really powerful is that for, you know, people who have experienced kind of maternal mental health, you know, I heard from people who said that it helped them talk with their mothers about their experience that, you know, the family had never discussed, that it was just a secret that nobody talked about. And that for me, mm. I think is very powerful. Oh, well, I loved it. So it's just a really beautiful book, I thought. And it's also, um, it was very interesting to me as um, someone who didn't really know about it, but in terms of um, Korean culture, something I knew absolutely nothing about. So elements of that were sort of really interesting. But yeah, the, the language is just sort of really beautiful. Um, how did your family feel about it? Yeah, it was, um, my parents still haven't read the book. I, I asked them not to. Um, I think for them, you know, this is part of the whole conversation about why it's important to have a conversation. But yeah, I think, you know, they're very private people. I'm actually, to be honest, a very private person as well. And I don't think they understood why I wanted to share something that was so private. And I think also, definitely, there's a cultural aspect of this is something that happened in the family. So let, let's keep it quiet. But I was trying to explain that, you know, that that's kind of the point that when that is the point, um, and so I felt really strongly about, you know, publishing it, about having it under my name. And, you know, I think for me, that was really important. Um, my brother did read it and 
you know, it really meant a lot to me that, you know, he felt it was a very like accurate and he, he really, um, he found it very moving. And so, yeah, that for me was, was really. I think I'd like to wrap up now in terms of the chat, but I suppose there's, I mean, there's two more things I'd like to ask. One of them is quite huge. So what, what do you wish people understood um, about postpartum psychosis? That's a really good question. (laughs) I wish people understood about postpartum psychosis well, for one thing, I think if you're somebody who's experienced it, to know that there's really nothing that was your fault. I definitely spent a lot of time going over all the things that maybe led to what happened and how could I have avoided it and why did this happen and how could I have done that, you know, that put myself through this and my family through such a traumatic event and my son through such a traumatic event. But it took me some time, you know, to really process, understand that it was beyond my control. And so much of the motherhood and birth and all of that, you know, it is a shift of identity. It is a shift mentally, physically, emotionally, definitely psychologically. And so, you know, that that's why psychosis happens. So I I want, you know, to show that it's nothing to be afraid of or ashamed of. And I think that's, you know, what action on postpartum psychosis as well does really brilliantly. That's probably the most important element of the mission is to take Mm. away the fear of it. Absolutely. Um, And finally, is there anything else you'd like to add um, just in general or about what you're working on next? Um, I, I mean, I hope to just continue, you know, being able to work with action on postpartum psychosis. You know, I, I think, um, especially with the pandemic and everything that's been happening with, you know, the NHS and I, you know, for me, it's so important having experience. I mean, I could have, you know, there could be a whole other element to the book about what it felt like to be in the U.S. without health insurance and just kind of the terror of, you know, the logistics surrounding that and falling through a net. And um, I'm so grateful that I was able to come here and, we live here and the fact that there is that support network and um yeah I had a glimpse of what it's like on the other side of that and it is it is very frightening and um especially with the birth of my second child that kind of prevention uh the conversations and the care that I was able to have I mean yeah I I think that's such a such an invaluable and important aspect um definitely an experience as well so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. Ever. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 